Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Hey, Dave. It's, it's, it's been like forever since we're, we're sitting here talking to yes. people together. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's you, a whirlwind. Yes. How are you doing? Fantastic. Hot as usual. Um, I'm very excited to finally bring another guest on that I've been trying for a little while. Mm-hmm. I've got this incredible woman named, uh, named Nora who has a company called Animal Experience International, and she takes people all, all over the world to experience animals. Snakes, tigers, elephants, everything. Bears. I, in fact, I saw a picture of her with a whole whack of bears recently. So, uh, Nora, welcome to The Boiling Point. You're going to do a way better job uh, introducing yourself, uh, but it, uh, it, it really is a pleasure because we've been talking about getting you onto The Boiling Point for quite, quite some time now. Uh, so, welcome on here, Nora. Oh, thanks so much. It's great to be on. It's great to be back in Canada when I actually can be on and I have a uh, connection that works. Well, why, why, why don't you first t- tell us where you were the last time I tried to get you on the bowling point? Um, well, yeah, you've been trying for a while, Greg. Um, I was in Bulgaria a few months ago. I was working at the Bear Sanctuary that you just spoke of. And then I think the very last time I was in Olambator, uh, Mongolia, working with horses. Do you see what I'm saying, Dave? Like This, this woman is almost impossible to get a hold of because she's Never anywhere well, close to electricity. Where, where's home? Where's home base for you, Nora? Uh, it's kind of a tricky question. Um, I'm in Toronto right now, but I live out in the Cowichan Valley on Vancouver Island. Um, but because I travel so much, uh, I'm sort of rarely there. So the world is my home. So, so home, <laughs> home is wherever you happen to be. I think is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I know I know the Cowichan Valley well, and I know Toronto well. So uh, they couldn't be more oh, different. They couldn't be more different. <laughs> but absolutely and different types of animals in both those places. Yes. So Nora, why don't you tell us and our listening audience all about Animal Experience International? Whoa, that's there's a lot to say. Um, basically, we started in uh, 2012. Uh, my friend, who's a veterinarian, uh, approached me and said hey, do you think that you want to start a business all about helping animals, helping people volunteer with them? You've traveled a lot. And I said, oh, yeah, like how hard can a business be? (laughs) That (laughs) tactical error. Um, But, yeah, we started, we hit the ground running. And um, basically what we do is I do a lot of the traveling, which is, super fun. Uh, we go to different animal sanctuaries, government programs, uh, spay-neuter release programs, uh, make sure they're, they're ethical, they're justice-focused, um, animal welfare standards are really high. Uh, we make sure that there's a safe and, uh, and clean place for people to, to live when they work, and then we send people there. So we have about 27 different uh, established pro- uh, yeah, projects right now, and we'll be adding more so people can do things like um, work in an elephant sanctuary in Thailand. Uh, eventually, they'll be able to go to Mongolia and work with the horses and Mongolian scientists. We have wildlife rehabilitation in places like Guatemala. We have sea turtle projects, which are amazing because they're all over the world, but they're always on a beach. So you just so happen to be helping these critically endangered species and you have to sleep on a beach. Oh, Oh, it's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, this th- this sounds incredibly exciting. And Dave, also just for your information, uh, Nora's company is a B Corp. And because you were wondering, how did we even connect initially? <clears throat> so, yeah, you, yeah, how did you know I was wondering that? I don't know. You always look at me like, <laughs> yeah, who, no, who's this guest? Like, no, but that is a very. <laughs> but then, as, as soon as Nora, you started describing what you do, I thought, ah, I think I know the connection. <laughs> Because no, 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 I'm, wait I'm, a minute. I'm, I'm constantly bringing on uh, interesting guests and Dave's like, how do you know these people? Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your your journey uh, into B Corp and how how the, how your organization fits so well into this model? Yeah, well, when we first started, we weren't sure really where we fit. We weren't a charity. We weren't like a giant multinational corporation that was going to be making tons of money. We wanted to make sure we were really helpful. We wanted to make sure we were benefiting. And um, I actually had a friend that was working at Patagonia and she said, oh, well, you sound like a B Corp. And I was like, yeah, I do. Wait, what is that? I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and I looked it up and I said, actually, yeah, this is, this is perfect. Um, when we first started, it was a lot of my friends that were looking at the programs and saying, oh, these are so great. And of course they're going to be wonderful and we totally trust you. But that was sort of our, what we needed to get over our, um, the weird part of the whole company. My friends trust me, my family trust me. Um, but we wanted to make sure that people around the world going to these programs would, would trust me and trust the company as well. And so being a B Corp just made so much sense. So we could say, you know what, like, don't trust what I have to say. Like I can be a used car salesman, but very offensive to all those used car salesmen listening. Sorry. Um, but I can say anything that I want. Everything looks great on the internet, but now look at the numbers and like, look at this third party regulation that we have and certification. And, um, yeah, just make sure that we are doing a good job and call us on things if we're maybe not doing a good job. And, um, and then it was great to also start the business and understand how we could. It was so empowering to know how we could have a benefit. I went to school for anthropology and environmental policy, and my business partners are veterinarians. So we had no business knowing how to be a business or how to be an ethical one. So it was awesome to go through that process and say, oh, hey, this is another really good thing that we can help with. So, you know, I'm, I'm, in my in my mind, you're just talking about developing market trust, right? So having, like when you're talking mm-hmm. about being a B Corp certified and that sort of thing. Um, ha- have you found that it's been really helpful in terms of, you know, that, that, that third party endorsement as you attract the kind of customers that you'd want to, I guess, typically attract? You know, it really has because right now, Unfortunately, in the travel sector and the volunteering sector, there's not uh, not everyone is really nice, and not everyone is doing it for the for I would say the right reasons. And um, we are seeing, um, you know, there are animals that are put into a sanctuary with like huge air quotes around that, um, but they've been stolen from the wild, and then people think they're doing a really good job by helping them. But these animals don't need to be there. They should be released. And the only reason that this, this sanctuary, we'll call it, was set up was because, you know, someone had a really good idea that people will come from the West and help these animals. And so people are looking for a way to know that, yeah, these these groups are here for real reasons. They are really helping animals, but they're also really helping the community around them. There's no point in helping an individual animal if we're not going to think about the whole species. We're not going to think about the local community around them. We're not going to think about watersheds and forests and ecosystems. And so it's a great way for people to say, I think I want to volunteer with you. I don't really know. 
um, what do your ethics look like? And we can say, oh, well, <laughs> it's right here. Just please read all of that. It's way easier that way. Yeah, I, you know, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm looking at Greg right now, but like, you know, personal experiences. I'm just, I mean, I'm remembering once this horrible feeling when I went on this, um, on the Mekong Delta and, you know, I was in the early 90s and I'm on this tour. And I mean, one of the, fir- you know, like anyways, it was one of the first kind of people to be on this tour, I guess. And, and they took us to a, like a snake farm, I guess, is what, how I would describe it. And you mm-hmm. immediately, the sick feeling you get when you come out and you realize, wow, these, they're not being treated very well. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And you don't know how to, you're, you're kind of stuck there. You're not sure how to get out of it. It's just a really terrible feeling. Um, yeah. So you're, 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 I mean, so then, so people can come and enjoy without having that, you know, and then, so then I was suspicious of every other kind of tour operator, right? You know, that's going to take us Oh, out. absolutely. Wow. So who, so who, how do people find you? Like how do, I mean, like how, who are your customers at the end of the day? Yeah. So we like to think that our customers can be anyone. We're, we're still pretty small. And so we can cater to anyone that wants to volunteer with animals. We do have a lot of uh, students that are looking to kind of bolster their CV or really understanding where um, they want to specialize or what they want to study. Um, but, you know, the really great thing about having a vet and like a pseudo anthropologist go on the trips is we can make sure that every, um, every type of person can work on the trips. And so sometimes it is a spay and neuter that we need veterinarians. And then uh, I can work on the programs too, because I'm doing paperwork in the background or I'm helping do vaccinations. And so we have, um, we recently had a, a 16 year old sign up to go down with her parents and help with sea turtle rehabilitation in Costa Rica, which was amazing. And such a cool thing because it was clearly she had seen it. She was super excited. And now her parents are sea turtle advocates. And then we had two 73 year old women that go on a trip every single year. They've been doing it forever. They found us and they said, Oh, well, we would love to go to Nepal and we'd love to help with the the dog program you have there. They live in totally different states uh, across uh, America from each other. And so they just met in Nepal after not seeing each other for a year and helped out some dogs. <laughs> this is cool. So, so no, in, in a sense, you are uh, a real purpose-driven travel agency in a way. Is it, Would that be accurate? Like where if, if I wanted to do an international travel uh, that had, uh, you know, you know, uh, focused around volunteering with animals, you're facilitating everything. Is this the, the model somewhat? Is this how it works? Yeah. Yeah. So we do like airport pickup to drop off. And so like the, the really great thing about me going to these places is we know everyone that's going to be part of the process. And so in like in Nepal, for example, we have like an auntie and uncle that pick people up from the airport. And so instead of like getting a bus or getting a cab or something that is going to be really expensive and then maybe they won't show up or maybe they'll get ripped off because it's um, it's a foreigner coming to the country. We have someone who's directly at the program loves that these volunteers are coming from around the world and, and wants to help out. And then there's um, and that's always really fun to have someone at the airport who's like an auntie with with your name on it um and (laughs) and then yeah we do make sure that the accommodation is sorted out and you know we do a lot of homestays and things like that so when you're in these countries you're really in these countries and you're eating with families and you're understanding a little more of like the the social context of what it looks like to work with animals and and why we have these problems okay this is cool so i'm really curious about 
what would the most exciting story be that you had in the field? And that could be dangerous, scary, uh, touching. <laughs> give, us, give us something really good. Well, I'm obviously not going to tell you a dangerous story because there's Come parents on. listening. <laughs> Everything is safe. Um, <laughs> you know, the thing is that I, I think I'm like a good traveler, but because I travel so much, I kind of like forget that like, oh, this is like really important and oh, this is like really different. Like I always wanted to go to Mongolia and I got a call from the, Mon- the Mongolian group and they said, hey, like we love your program. We've heard about you from other conservation programs. Would you like to come? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like I'll, I'll do some research on you. I'll make sure this is going to make sense. And uh, we'll, we'll see what that looks like. Um, but it really is just an excuse to go to Mongolia. And then I got there and they're like, okay, well, these are the Taki. They're the Mongolian horse. It's the last uh, wild horse on the planet. There's about 500 left on the planet. They're critically endangered. And um, the Smithsonian just left because they were studying them. And I was like, I'm sorry. This is, this is a really big deal. <laughs> and this happens all the time that I just show up and I'm like, I didn't know that this animal existed and I didn't know it was so important and and me as someone that you know maybe didn't really look it up so much or hadn't really been thinking about it suddenly I can help with the like the the science that goes behind protecting this animal which is really cool I um somehow had never seen a dolphin before because I've always done like inland stuff and I've done stuff on beaches. And I was recently in Croatia on a, a dolphin project. And I think like the very first time I saw a dolphin, I made a noise only a dog could hear. And I just like <laughs> can we, can we hear stared it? at it. <laughs> well, you can't because you're not a dog. <laughs> but it like, it's all of these things that you just don't realize it, that you go, oh yeah, oh, I'm going to... Costa Rica or Sierra Leone or Croatia and oh this is going to be adventure and then I get there and go oh like this is going to be an adventure and I am living with these families that do really invest in me and I'm just kind of this dorky girl that gets to travel and, yeah. <laughs> and learn so much. What a, what a great way to approach it. And it, So I'm guessing just by the way you've described the experience of you know being on site and, and delivering your service that you kind of as I as I understand, anyways, you you it sounds like you entered the business with the same sort of I don't know I don't know if it's optimistic or naive approach, which I think has always served me well, uh, Nora. Um, I'm, just, I'm, I'm curious, and I, maybe I'm not describing that very well, but it seems like it, you know, like on the business side, because we have a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this podcast. Um, what what have you like? I guess what is the biggest learning for you as someone starting a business and kind of going into it? And you described earlier, like going, you know, had I known, you know, when I started, you know, uh, I don't know if you wouldn't have done it or you would have you would have realized it's you know kind of a big project unto itself. But what's the biggest thing you've taken away from you know the experience of you know having a partner, starting a business, um, and uh, and and you know getting it up and running? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I feel like nothing has made me more humble (laughs) in my whole life. And it's just like the big learning that I tell everyone is just the power of the ask. Because like one person alone, like I don't, I don't really know that much. But if I ask other people, then maybe they don't know, but they know someone that does, or maybe they can't help, but someone will be able to help. And I think that generally people are really good and they're really nice. 
And so if you ask for help, people want to. And if you are um, trying to do something ethical or with a purpose or if you're engaged and you're passionate, then people really like that. Um, we have so many amazing just stories of us not knowing really where to go. And like our logo was designed for free by this company that I went on Twitter and I said, how do I get a logo? <laughs> and this company came and said, oh, yeah, we can we can help you out with it. This is what our portfolio looks like. And they asked what we were doing. And they said, oh, that sounds awesome. Why don't we do it for free? You guys are so new. That would be awesome. And like that happens all the time. If you just like reach out and say, I don't really know what I'm doing. Can someone help me out with this? There's always people that want to jump up and say, yeah, I do want to help because this is important. And, and I, everyone likes helping. And it, it sounds like you're, so you're okay going into the unknown. You know what I mean? Like a lot of, I, I find a lot of, a lot of us are, you know, we get very fearful and slows us down, but, but it's almost like you're embracing it. Yeah, I think, I think you kind of hit it on the head when you said I was naive. Like, I think that I just don't think about the bad things. Like, what's the worst that can happen? You know, like, if this doesn't work out and I'll get a job somewhere else. Shouldn't be so terrible. It's I feel like I already have so much. <laughs> the thoughts going through my head about what the worst thing could happen are so much more extreme than Nora's. <laughs> Oh, I'll be in financial ruin, but you know, that's fine. It's only money. Good for you. Well, and and as I'm listening to you, I'm just thinking like, um, uh, you know, when I was getting into business, people saying, you know, Dave, you're, you you, you know, it's going to be tough. People are, people are hard on you. You know I mean? Do you have the skin for it? All this kind of stuff. And, and, you know, after having you know, a decade into or more than that, actually, um, I, I, I would actually argue what I think I'm hearing you say, Nora, which is people are good. Like the people actually really want to help you. You know what I mean? I mean, sure, there's people that are going to yeah. be out there to, to scam you or whatever. But I, I don't know. I don't, maybe it's just maybe I've been lucky, but I'm not running into well, them. It, so it, it's it, because you, Dave and, and Nora and myself, we are OK to be vulnerable. It's, it's the people that have, that have these closed walls around them that don't want to admit they don't know. Those are the ones that are going to lose out, unfortunately, because just like what Nora just said, she asks and people say, yeah, I'll help. But it, it's amazing how much powerful, how much power is in vulnerability. Vulnerability. Yeah. W- w- would you say uh, that's your experience so far, Nora, in, in building this business? From oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that people like they do want to help and they just don't know when to step in. And so they, they kind of see you struggling and, you know, they don't want to hurt your pride. They don't know if they're going to step on any toes. And so you see kind of people like floating in the periphery. And if you just invite them in, like, why not? You know, like the worst that people can say is like, oh, no, I don't have time or, or, or maybe I don't want to do it. But most of the time people will say, oh, yeah, like I do like what you're doing and I do want to be part of it. Everyone wants to be part of something exciting. So just be excited with people. Well, yeah. And I mean, your passion comes through big time. So like, you know, because I'm because, you know, to be to be completely truthful right now, I'm like thinking to myself, geez, I wonder how I can go on one of these trips. And, and more importantly, can I bring my kids? You know what I mean? So I hadn't even yeah. thought of that. But um, so so uh, I'm, I grew up in the Yukon Territory and uh, and, you know, there's a lot of fabulous wildlife up there. Have you been north northern Canada at all? I have. Yeah, I actually I did a lot of camping with my parents when I was younger. I was super lucky to have parents that really wanted to engage us in the wilderness and with animals and (laughs) now everything kind of falls into place. And um, when I was about uh, 13, we actually did the Alaska highway. And so we spent some time in the North and Oh my goodness. Yeah. There's, there's nothing like, like true Northern um, 
just wild in Canada. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good plug for it. yeah. And and you probably and a lot of people used to buy the T-shirt. I survived the Alaska Highway because it used to be this crazy highway where because it was built <laughs> in the Second World War. But um, so do you have any projects up north? I mean, and I just, and I'm and I you know maybe this is for more of an offline uh, conversation later. But any anything you know any any interest in you know from the from your clients and getting up and seeing wildlife up north? Yeah. So so the funny part is. Man, maybe it's not funny. But I'll say it anyway. Um, we have a lot of people that want to go north. I would love to go north. There's a lot of dog projects. There's a lot of wildlife projects. I would love to support science, animal welfare, anything that's happening. But we won't go places unless we're asked. So instead of us walking up to a center and saying, hey, I want to help you. I know how to help you. And I'm going to do all this work. We want people to be able to say, you know what, at this point in our animal project, we do need the help. We understand the problems and the solutions. And now we need hands and feet. And so this is how, this is how I travel all these kind of strange places that, uh, that are all over the map that I just wait until a group contacts us. And then I say, okay, well, I'm going to go there. That sounds, that sounds fun. And so we are just kind of like that's with Mongolia. I was just, you know, waiting for someone from Mongolia to, to ask us. And we're waiting for the, the far north as well for someone to say, okay, you know what? We are ready and we need help and let's, let's get everyone sorted. Well, Nora, the, uh, the most northern tip of Quebec is uh, a place called Nunavik. Uh, and we did a little bit of film project uh, up there. I've been up there three or four times. And we did a documentary called Melting Lands in a little town called Kengik Sujouak. Uh Try to spell it. No, it's not going to happen. Uh, and, uh, and anyway, that film, it was years ago we did it. So we, uh, we actually shot it in standard definition. That's how long ago it was. But if you want to check it out, um, Melting Lands, just check it out on Vimeo. Uh, just like search Hemming's House and Melting Lands. Uh, real strong uh, focus on animals. And I remember... Um, there's one thought that went through my head. I was on the back of a skidoo with an Inuit uh, driver, hunter, and we were driving for about probably three hours to go on a hunt. And I'm holding on to this big, burly uh, Inuit fellow with, the, with his gun in between his back and my body. And I was thinking, people pay tens of thousands of dollars to have this experience. And, uh, and here I am, you know, getting paid as a filmmaker to do it. But the whole culture up there is around uh, animals and sustainability as well. Like it's really interesting um, being embedded with that community uh, to see their their utmost respect for animals and how they feed their their own ecosystem and how they protect animals in their own their own different ways and how they consume them as well. But it, and the sustainable practices that have been handed down generation after generation. But it's um, you might want to check out the ch- check out the film at some point. It might inspire you to uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So listen, Nora, I'm really sorry. We do have to cut this short. This is yet another interview that I wish we could keep going. And in fact, it's probably a good idea to bring you back on sometime to uh, to, to to hear more. Maybe in uh, in about twelve months, which would be really good. And I think you and I get to hang out in Portland in October. Is that true? Are you, are you going to be able to come to the uh, the beach club retreat? I'm going to try. Well, well, now that I'm yeah. saying we have to hang out and drink a beer together, well, I, I think you should come. 
Uh, well, if there's involved, I will. I'll be there immediately. <laughs> I'll save you a seat. <laughs> a true Canadian. Yeah, true Canadian. Okay. North, thank you so much, and uh, it's it's really inspiring what you're doing. And uh, you know, like Dave said, I, I'm I'm pretty sure Dave and I will be customers uh, in the very near future with our kids. 100%. This sounds freaking awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Nora. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, we love to have you on board. Thanks for sharing your story. And uh, and and how do people just before we we let you go? How do people learn more about you and and uh, your company and what you guys are doing? Yeah, we have uh, something on the internet called a website. It's really easy to find. It's just animalexperience.com. I know. I think the internet's kind of a fad, but if it lasts a little longer, we're going to keep the website. Um, Then, (laughs) but of course, we're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and everything else. But um, yeah, just animalexperienceinternational.com. Way easy that way. And one last question, Nora. What is your favorite dad joke that your dad gave you? Oh, my goodness. Or your dad okay. annoyed you with. <laughs> um, how do you plan a space party? How? You plan it. Uh... <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, Nora. We love you. <laughs> All right, take note, care. Safe travels, guys. See you later. See you later. Take care. So <laughs> there's this background in that. Well, yeah, I was like, where did that come from? The dad joke. I'm like, you just threw I don't me. Know. Like, I'm like, I just stopped and I, I couldn't even listen to the joke. And I'm like, what? Well, Is that it, the one we ask people now? It's because when I, we've been going back and forth a whole bunch to, to get Nora on, on here. But she's always somewhere in the middle of a place where there's no telephone. And uh, somehow, do you know the way I email sometimes, you know? Uh, some really quirky little jokes come out, and we both recognize that we both like awkward dad jokes. So there you go. <laughs> Wham. Wow. Okay, so that's the new thing. So, so, so my takeaway is yes. she has a personality and a drive uh, and a passion for what she does um, that is so fueled by the lust for adventure, and I relate to that 100%. Like I, As a child, I used to jump cliffs. That was my big thing. Find the highest cliff and jump off of it into the water. And I find business and entrepreneurship is all about that. And art and being creative is you don't know what's going to happen in a minute. It's going to be thrilling. And you don't know what's on the other side, but you're going to do it anyway. And that's, you know, just a reminder about how exciting uh, it is to grow a business, especially as an adventurous spirit. Uh, well, yeah. And I, you know what? I guess I would kind of echo that, which is just your ability to, I love that idea. And, you know, you, t- you know, jumping off a cliff, but throwing yourself into it and learning as you go. And, and um, I think the confidence that comes from saying, I don't know, but I'm sure I can figure it out, you know, either on my own or with support. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really good reminder. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times people feel like an island and they think they have to figure it on their own. And I just, she's just, and, and she's got, she's very authentic, eh? And very, just very open. And um, that that's a, I think that's a unique quality, you know, and, and just that, the idea of being authentic. So, so I really, thank you for the introduction. I know, and, and you know, it's funny because I, I assumed you knew each other, but you kind of not really know each other, but you will. But just like, it's just the Greg Hemmings way. I love it. Well, I, I saw what she was doing. It's, it looks so cool. Like she's oh. hanging out with animals. And totally. Stuff. Like how, how awesome is that? Yeah. Well, this, this is great. Uh, thanks, uh, everybody, for listening. And as, as usual, please share. And uh, let us know if there's any guests you want us to bring on. It might be you. That would be good. See you next week. Keep, ah, and have your dad joke ready. That's right. I'm going to save it for next week. You need the last word, don't you? You do. No, you do. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca 
or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.